Oh boy, this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> Why? Because today we get to stick it to the life insurance industry. And remember, dear students, yours truly is a licensed California life insurance agent. So I'm, <laughs> I'm basically giving our industry a, a bad name for which it deserves. There are some really cool things and great things about insurance that we've learned, some boring things, some important things that many people don't really understand, especially about automobile life, automobile insurance and the health insurance. Oh, my goodness. But life insurance, there's a, it's, there's a true hero and a true villain. And you, dear students, are going to know the difference between the two. And you're going to save yourself tens of thousands of dollars potentially and save your friends and family because you're the guru, you're the financial advisor for your friends and family now. And it is a very important responsibility which you must take gravely. Okay, enough of this. Let's look at slide number one. You may not understand this. You may already do. You may, you may already have seen this presentation or something along the lines. But, um, but this term, this phrase that we're going to learn is very useful. Buy term and invest the difference. Now, many financial advisors have been telling people to do this for decades. But nobody did it better, in my humble opinion, than the wealthy barber, David Chilton's book written in the mid-1980s, so the numbers are all wrong, but still, it's a phenomenal book. I wish I had wrote it. I wish I had written it, and I'm going to steal from it blatantly. <laughs> okay, Mr. Chilton, if you're listening, I'm going to quote from you quite a bit. Okay, so let's get started. Buy, term, and invest the difference. So by the end of our time together, you know, a little bit, about half an hour or so, you're going to understand what this means, and it's going to save you potentially tens of thousands of dollars. So slide number two, what is life insurance? Well, life insurance is obtained by purchasing a policy with the insurance company promising to pay a lump sum at the time of the policyholder's death. Now, some types what will pay while the policyholder is still alive if they live long enough. Now, these are the whole life policies, and they go by various names. But these are for No, we don't want to use the word stupid. We'll use the word uninformed. But when you see the word uninformed, you just replace it with stupid. Because these are people who have been duped into buying a very bad life insurance policy. And I know life insurance agents get really angry at me, and, and we've had heated discussions. And one time, one guy was about ready to clean my clock, and I, I'm a coward. Cowards run in my family, and his, his buddies were trying to calm him down, and, and I was just going to run away. And finally, he came up to me and apologized. But, but uh, I've done it so many times where I've just said, you know, we're not doing our, our clients the best. We're not acting in their best interest. And, and then they have convinced themselves that they are, as we'll see, as we'll see. So let's continue. So when you see whole life policies for uninformed people, you know it's stupid. Slide number, come on, let's go. Let's go in slide number three. Right. The purpose of life insurance is to protect someone who depends on you from financial loss related to your death. See, 
you know, you have house and home insurance. Your house burns down, they give you a new home. Car insurance, you know, your car goes in an accident, they give you a new car. Health insurance, they try to get you back to health as best they can. But when you're dead, right, you're dead. So they really shouldn't call it life insurance because they're not going to give you your life back. There are some other reasons which are... Not really very good to make charitable bequests. Maybe anyone, you have any kids, you don't, you want to make a charitable bequest. You can have a life insurance policy for the father Joe's village or the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the dog pound, the, 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 the home humane society to leave as part of your estate to avoid estate tie. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Careful. The IRS often looks very unfavorably at some of these tactics, and it's only for pe people who are very, very wealthy, as we'll see when we get to the last chapter, chapter 14. It's only for people who have over 20 million bucks. It's usually promoted by unscrupulous insurance agents. So if you're in this rarefied air, watch out because they're going to come after you. And the problem is you won't know whether it succeeded or not because you'll be dead. <laughs> the IRS will come after your heirs. To save money for retirement or children's education. Oh, those are the whole life policies for uninformed, stupid people, which we're going to not be in our case, right? So this is the only real reason you want it. To protect others who depend on you from financial loss if you were to pass away prematurely. Here's the wealthy barber. Again, thank you, David Shelton. People should buy life insurance so that when they die, their assets combined with their insurance proceeds can allow for the proper winding down of their financial affairs and provide the desired standard of living for their dependents. Really, life insurance is better termed financial protection for dependents or income replacement insurance. I like financial protection for dependents. That's what... People will say, do I need life insurance? Oh, do you need financial protection for your dependents? Well, maybe. And then they go, well, yeah, right, I got kids. Yeah, 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 as we're going to see, if you have children, you almost always need some kind of life insurance, as we'll see. So what's the basis? How does this work? How does a life insurance com company do business? Well, they have mortality tables. And folks, they're like the Census Bureau. They know people left side up, upside down. They provide odds on your dying based on your age and sex and where you live and what you do as an occupation and your, your parents and your history. They, 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 they know. They basically know how long you're going to live statistically, right? Because, you know, tomorrow somebody could get kissed by a bus. And it's, but statistically they can say here's a, here's a standard deviation and variance and all that statistical stuff that we don't care about. But the premium is based on your life expectancy and the projections for the payouts for persons who die. Because they know some people are going to die. Some people are going to get an accident, catch maybe cancer or whatever, some disease. You're essentially betting the insurance company that you will die when you buy a life insurance policy. Isn't that a great bet? It's a bet you hope you lose. <laughs> and so does the insurance company because then they don't have to pay out. They have a very good idea how many people will die, how many people will live. And this is a job called an actuary. So if you are a math, if you're math inclined, really like statistics, I'm sorry, statistics and standard deviations and variances and all that good stuff, 
then think about it. An actuary is a very lucrative job. If you if your if your um, um, predictions come out to be true, which they usually do, because they're based on humans, which don't change that much over time. We're living longer, but then something like COVID comes along and screws things up. So so it's 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 a bit of a game. But um but but the actuaries and the life insurance companies usually come out way ahead. In fact, there's a game you can play. You might not be able to get it to work on your computer now because all the browsers are shutting down uh, um, Flash. It's still it's still in Flash, but I could still get it to run. I just had to tell my browser allow Flash if I ask for it, and I can I can ask for it. And then when the website pipes up, you have to press this little button to say, okay, allow this Flash game to play. I don't know if they're going to fix it because Flash is going to be. I forget when there's pretty the date when they're going to just going to say no more flash, and uh, I'm not sure when that is, but it's I think it's pretty soon. So I, it worked for me. What is this? Whoa! It worked for me uh, just a, just a couple of days ago. So check it out. Okay, let's continue. Uh, well, there, okay, okay, okay. There are two types of life insurance companies. Now we really don't want to spend too much time on this because it's it's really not that important from your point of view except for one little point that will 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 make about these two types of insurance companies there are private stock life ownership insurance companies which are owned by shareholders you know they're publicly traded companies some of them and some of them are private but they're 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 for-profit entities they're insurance companies and most three quarters of these of the companies are, are these type of companies. And notice that they sell what are called non-participating policies. And in 2018, we don't have the data for 2019 yet, but we'll have it soon uh, at the end of October, there were 80% of policies sold in 2018. So 90, 79%. So here, the amount of premium stays the same. The second type is what's called a mutual life insurance company. It's kind of like a credit union in that it's owned by the policy holders. And only 14% of these are, uh, companies are, of the life insurance companies are this type, and they keep getting smaller and smaller. Every year, a few of them disappear. They have what are called participating policies. You start out with a higher premium, but you get a refund. They call it a policy dividend, and it's not really a dividend. I mean, the IRS goes, what? Is that a dividend? No, no, it's not a dividend. It's a refund. They basically say, look, with the participating policy, the non-participating, I'm sorry, on the previous slide, we'll charge you $300 a year. The mutual life insurance company will say, we'll charge you $600. And you say, well, why should I go with you? Well, this year we're giving a $400 policy dividend, which means they only charge you $200. It sounds exciting, a policy dividend. It's really just a, a refund. And and so why are they doing this? Because they are allowing you to participate in the in this the risk that they are taking on as the life insurance company. So if your particular cohort, your your particular group that you're in, has a very good or very you know very bad mortality rate then the premium is going to spike up to $600. If you have a good mortality rate, which means, you know, non-mortality, which means you don't die, 
then it'll stay around $200 or maybe even go down. And so why do I even tell you this? Because there's one company called TIAA, which has been around since 1919, and it was originally for teachers, Teachers Insurance Annuity Association, and they had some dynamite policies. You know, the, the, the maximum would be like uh, uh, 560 bucks. But then they would charge us, and I was a, you know, I'm a teacher, uh, like $230, which was less than what the uh, private companies were paying, were charging. And so when I was a teacher, well, which I still am, but I mean, when I, when I did this many years ago when my son was young, I chose the participating policy until finally I got a deal on a non-participating policy that was even better than the, part, the, the, the participating policy. So I switched over to that. But so, so, so just remember that if you're in a cohort like teachers who live long, teachers live longer than the rest of the population. I don't know. I think it's because we give our stress to the students. You think that's what it is? I think it's what it is. Anyway, so if you're in a group that lives longer, maybe, maybe you're interested in a participating policy. Just remember that. You'll forget it. Don't worry. But if you just, if somebody says it, you can come back to the presentation and go, oh, yeah, I remember what Payana was talking about. Okay, slide number eight. Here's where we get to some very important stuff. Do you need life insurance? Well, it's a very simple question. Are there any people who depend upon my income for their living expenses? And if the answer is yes, then it's not a question of whether or not you need life insurance. It's how much you need. And maybe there's a few situations where, no, I'm independently wealthy. Uh, no, no, most of us working grunts. If you're taking this class and you have people who depend upon you, namely children, you pretty much need life insurance. If the answer is no, you're single, uh, or, or, or uh, I'm in, an, in, a, in a relationship where we're not even married, we're together, but we could both live fine on our own, you don't need life insurance. It's that simple, no matter what the life insurance agent says. Because even if you're single and you have no <laughs> dependents whatsoever, and you don't even have a, a significant other, or a spouse, you will be told by an insurance agent, of course you need life insurance. Oh, your policy is acting as a savings vehicle. Insurance is cheaper when you are younger and you should buy insurance now while you are healthy and <laughs> still can get it. Well, your response to each of these should be nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. The savings vehicle that is in these whole life policies that we'll come back to later on is horrible. It's awful. I don't care what they, t let them sue me. I'd love it to sue me because then you got to go to discovery and you show them the three, and yeah, right. Yeah, let them, the insurance agents, sue me. Uh, insurance is cheaper when you're younger. Yeah, but because it's cheaper, you should buy it. Why buy something you don't need? It's cheaper. Well, but you don't need it, but it's cheaper. Yeah, they got, need to go back to chapter six. And then only 2% of people are turned down. The third one, there is a grain of truth to the third one. But the, problem here is that people usually procrastinate. They wait until it's too late. The, the, the children are, you know, just born. They should get life insurance then. You don't wait 10 years later and then all of a sudden have find you have hepatitis C or, or breast cancer or whatever. They're not going to insure you then, right? So make sure you get insurance when you need insurance, which means normally when you have children. Don't ever buy life insurance for a child. The benevolent machine is very intelligent. They know when a child is born. It, that 
information slips into their many databases and follows them for the rest, follows us for the rest of our lives. And you're going to get something in the mail, the Gerber baby with the chubby cheeks. And, oh, don't you want to buy life insurance for your child? No, 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 no. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you. Oh, dear. What did I do? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. There we go. Would you be devastated emotionally if your child dies? Oh, yeah. You, 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 oh, you just horrible, 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 right? You, you just want to you cry, you cry, cry. Would you be devastated financially if your child dies? Uh, no, no. Uh, excuse me for being callous, but you're better off financially if your child dies. You don't have to clothe them, feed them, uh, send them to school, quinceaneras, uh, wedding. Your children used to be a financial asset when they were working on the farm, but now they're extremely expensive. So don't ever buy life insurance for a child. Now, some people say, well, I want to have a really nice funeral for them. First of all, they're not going to die. Statistically, that's why they love to sell you this stuff, because... Children just in very, you know, tiny, tiny proportion will die, but most of them won't. And you don't need to have a huge funeral, folks. I mean, you just don't need to do it. It's some people, I guess, it's part of their culture, but you decide. Um, but it, 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 but the chances are they're not going to die. They're going to, chances are they're going to outlive you, right? Right? So, so don't ever buy life insurance for insurance for a child. Got it? Good. Now, ha, 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 what if you have children? Yes, young married couples or single people with one or more children almost always need life insurance. The question for them is not do we need it, but rather how much do we need? And the answer, dear students, is often more than you think. We'll discuss that in a bit, and that's part of your assignment. To try to figure out. It's not easy sometimes, depending on your family situation. Sometimes it's very easy, and sometimes it's not easy at all. So it depends on your family situation. That's part of the assignment, which we'll discuss later. Okay. Slide number 12. Don't forget the non-wage earner spouse. Say you have the traditional daddy goes uh, to work and fondles the secretary and mommy stays home and beats the children. The old leave it to beaver, 1950s. I'm sorry. I have a very sick mind. Don't worry, I told you, we'll insult everybody by the end of the semester. Yeah, now, this is what this is the best part. This is the best part, folks. Uh, you know the old ma, daddy goes to work, mommy stays home. Well, now there are more mommies going to work and daddy's staying home. <laughs> so, it's still a small number. It's a small number. Most everybody has two jobs, right? Mommy and daddy go to work. You want... If you have the situation, the non, which used to be the traditional, but now is the non-traditional um, situation, you want to make sure you have enough life insurance to pay off the debts, which makes a whole lot of sense. That that way, the spouse, the the, the work-at-home spouse, doesn't have to worry about. I'm sorry, the, the working spouse doesn't have to worry about any debts, and that just takes care of financial obligations that just don't have you don't have to think about anymore. But also, you want to replace the services of the non-wage earner spouse. Not, in other words, the fact that mommy stayed home and took care of the kids, or daddy stayed home and took care of the kids, 
that costs, right? Because now you have to go to work. Or you, the surviving spouse has to go to work and has to have the children taken care of. Okay, but now there's a caveat to that. Okay, even though this is the, the you know the, there's a fewer people having mommy at home or daddy at home and mommy or daddy or maybe mommy and daddy, mommy and mommy, daddy and daddy, whatever, whatever you know. There's a caveat. Men usually remarry quickly, whereas women don't. Women say, been there, done that. But married men who lose their spouse often remarry quickly. If you go back to the Bible, you used to marry the sister, right? That was how it was done, right? <laughs> and these, these, uh, these, uh, this ranking here is a ranking. These are the most, these are the least. These are the second most, these are the second least. And what are they measuring? Happiness. The happiest people, by according to the sociologists and psychologists, are married men. Where the most unhappiest people are the single men. Married men live longer than single men. The single men just seem, say it just seems like it's longer. <laughs> and then it turns out that single women are happier than married women. Now, I'll leave you to decide why <laughs> you ruminate on the reasons why this is the case. But that's what the psychologists and sociologists tell us. So a man will usually remarry within a year or two, three at the most. Whereas a woman will say, you know, thanks. I don't need another person to pick up of <laughs> after. Take it for what it's worth, dear students. I just report it. You know, I don't make, make a judgment. Slide 13. All right, here's some examples. Who needs life insurance? A young married couple with no children. Do they need life insurance? Probably not, especially if they both have their own job, but maybe they have a huge mortgage. So they might need some insurance, right? How about the young married couple with two children? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The children are two and four. They need to talk to a life insurance agent or you know, take this class and do their own uh, uh, searching, which is what you're going to do as the assignment. How about a single adult or an unmarried couple? No, they don't really need life insurance. Depends. Maybe the unmarried couple has property together. you, you got to look at the situation. But normally, no. But how about a single adult who is a partner in a business? Ooh, now here's a real interesting situation. Remember, if anybody is dependent upon your income for their well-being, it doesn't have to be a child. If you're a partner, each of you is dependent upon the other person doing their part and earning their part of the, the business. So often what will happen is partners will have insurance on each other so that if one of them passes away, the other one, the surviving partner, can pay off the heir basically buy their part of the buy the with the person who died is part of the business and they don't they don't because now they're like now their business is in in jeopardy what if the spouse or the or the children don't want anything to do with the business and they want to sell it to somebody else because you don't have the money to buy it if you're the partner so that's why you have to think about who am i dependent on who is dependent on me how about a married couple with children where both parents are high wage earners Either of them could easily pay off, pay the, uh, the, uh, the lifestyle that they've been living. They both are you know, high-powered executives or doctors or whatever. Do they need life insurance? Not for 
each of them, but they need life insurance if they both die. It's called second to die. I don't know why, but it basically pays them if pays the, the, the children, basically, or the, the heirs, if both die, say in a car crash. It's very cheap because it just doesn't happen that often. So you have to think about these situations. <laughs> so if both are, are high wage earners, they don't need individual life insurance, but they need life insurance on the couple, on both of them. Now, what about a middle-aged couple with the children gone and the house paid off? No, right? Children are gone. They might come back. But the children are gone. The house is paid off. You've done it. You've, you, you've, you've made it through the time when people are depending upon you for your income. But what about that same middle-aged couple taking care of one or more of their aged parents? <sighs> All of a sudden now, they're in their 50s or early 60s, and now they have to take care of one of their parents in the 80s and 90s. This is the insurance company. By the way, insurance companies aren't going to want you. When you want you to hit 50, 55, they don't want you anymore because that's when the, right, the the sedentary lifestyle diseases start. Uh, the uh, What are they called? Standard American diet diseases start hitting home. Diabetes, heart disease, stroke, uh, kidney failure because of our lifestyle you know, <laughs> and our, our diet and our, our that diet and our lack of exercise. So the insurance companies love you in your 20s, 30s, and into your 40s too. But once you start hitting your 50s and 60s, they're not going to want you. So this is a situation where you just hope it doesn't exist. Yeah. So think about it. You have to think about each individual situation. Now, how do you estimate your life insurance requirements? Slide number 14. Well, the book has four methods, all of which are stupid. Yeah, they're just forget them. <laughs> Don't even read this slide. They're, they, you can go ahead and look at them, but but they're just they're just they're not good. Here is what you want. Slide fifteen. <laughs> and who do we get this from? Again, the wealthy barber, Mister Chilton. Thank you very much. Get out your financial statements. Remember them. You you do remember them, right? You use your net worth statement to total your debts. You start with at least this much life insurance. The surviving spouse and family now are debt-free. Think about it. The mortgage is paid off. The cars are paid off. Maybe student loans are paid off. And think about the reduction in financial stress when those payments are gone. You then create a second cash flow statement without the person's income and without the person alive. Because you don't need maybe a second car. You could sell the car. You only need one car now. Uh, you don't need an extra mobile phone. You're not going to be feeding that person. You're not going to be clothing that person. This, is, this will tell you how much income the surviving family will need. And now here's the tricky part. You determine the principal needed to generate that income. Well, that's where a financial advisor can come in or we're going to learn more about investments later on in the semester. And, uh, and of course, you could always take Business 123, Introduction to Investments, next semester, hint, 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 nudge, nudge, nudge. Or take it now online for free and learn about investments. And so you have two amounts. You have the debt, the first amount, and you add the second amount, the principal you need to, to generate that income for a certain amount of years until the kids are grown or whatever. And you add those two together, and that's how much life insurance you need. The rule of thumb, by the way, is seven to ten times your annual salary, depending upon the level of debt. So 
we hear people say we make about 50 grand, so $500,000. But it may be more depending on your, if you own a house here in San Diego, you want to make sure that that boom, boom, boom is, uh, you know, that, 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 that mortgage, which might be 400000 is paid off first, so you might need a lot more. But just multiply your salary times 10 and you get a decent number depending on everybody's situation. That's why we said it's a little tricky and you want, want to talk to somebody Financial advisor, Chris, can always call me. I can talk about this stuff far longer than any reasonable person would ever really want to listen. So <laughs> go for assuming I'm still alive. <laughs> Slide number 16. Okay, finally, write these down. Write these down. Very important. We're here. We're here. We're here to identify our brave hero. Yippee. Hooray. Term life insurance. The only type of life insurance. Wait a minute, Pana. You told me there were two types of life insurance. What do you say in term is the only life? Look, come relax, come back, come back. We'll come back to this later. It's a protection for a specified period of time. If you do not pay premiums, the coverage stops. And then after the term, 10, 20, 30 years, there's a renewability option. That means at the end of the term, you can renew the policy without having a physical, but you won't because the premium will skyrocket because at the end of 20, 30 years, they don't want you anymore. And there's a conversion option that allows you to change your policy from term to whole life without a physical, if you're uninformed, stupid, enough to actually buy a whole life policy. This is our brave healer, folks. Hero, this is the only type of life insurance you are ever going to buy if you need life insurance. Assuming you need life insurance. Because you're going to buy term and invest the difference. Remember that phrase we'll come back to. Okay, so our brave hero, yippee, hooray. And so I hope you're yelling and screaming. That's what you're supposed to do in the face-to-face -face class. But they just roll their eyes at me. And a couple of them go, yippee. And then slide 17. The other type of life, of life insurance policy is called whole life. It's also called straight life, ordinary life, cash value life, adjustable life, variable life, universal life, variable universal life. They keep changing the name. Why do they do that? You pay a premium as long as you live? Wait a minute. I'm going to live a long time, I hope. And the kids are going to be long gone before I kick off. Amount of premium depends on your age when you start the policy. It provide, provides a death benefit and accumulates a cash value. That's why it's sometimes called cash value life. You can borrow against the cash value or draw it out in retirement. Oh, so I see. It's a... Life insurance policy has a savings plan. But look carefully at the rate of return your money earns. It is almost always abysmal. You like that word abysmal? It means bad. You know, fuchi, caca. Right. The evil villain. Yes, dear students. In finance, there are heroes and villains. And a whole life policy is one of the villains that has been hoisted upon the public for decades and still is foisted upon us. Slide number 18. Every five or ten years or so, the insurance industry changes the name of whole life policy, whole life, whole life insurance. Why? Because eventually consumers get hip to how they're being screwed. To confuse the issue, they just change the name. Heaven forbid they stop selling the cursed things. The newest spin on whole life policy is permanent life insurance. <laughs> Wouldn't you really rather have permanent whole life insurance instead of just 
temporary term life insurance? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you have permanent car insurance? Do you have permanent homeowner's insurance? I don't understand. Okay, okay. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Let's, let's try to review here on slide number 19. To review, term life insurance, the only type of life insurance, is life insurance without a savings component. So it's sometimes called pure life insurance. Whereas whole life insurance is life insurance, but has a savings component. So what's the big deal, Payano? Hmm? Why do you have such an axe to grind against your industry? If the insurance company is offering to provide you with life insurance and a savings plan, why not let them? Well, let's see. Let's take a look at a $500,000 term life insurance policy for a 32-year-old male. The kids are 2 and 4, say. 20-year term life. The kids will be 22 and 24. And that'll be $250 a year. 20 bucks a month. Can you afford that? Sure you can. But let's take a look at that same $500,000 life insurance policy. Where is it? There it is. 32-year-old male. $250 per month. $3,000 a year. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Uh, yeah. In fact, there's a, a, a ancillary presentation that I want you to take a look at and uh, from, from lifeinsurer.com. Uh, it's in there, folks. It's on the website. It's in Canvas. And it's going to show you that if you look for a $500,000 term life policy for a 32-year-old male in good shape, 20-year policy, it's going to cost you about 20 bucks a month. Pay the whole thing every year in full because they'll charge you $2 a month to send them separate payments. But if you try to get a whole life policy, it's going to be 10 times, maybe not quite 10 times if you get the cheapest whole life policy, but maybe a lot more than 10 times if you get the most expensive whole life policy. So you starting to see any difference yet? Hmm? Hmm? If a company came up to you and said, and again, this is basically stolen from the wealthy barber, to save at our institution, you must buy life insurance. You must pay for it even if you don't need it. We'll take everything you deposit in the first few years for ourselves. And in future years, we'll charge you to deposit money into your savings account. You can borrow the money at any time, but we'll charge you interest on your money. If you happen to die while this loan is outstanding, will decrease the amount we were to pay your beneficiaries from this account by the outstanding amount of the loan. You understand? If you borrow from it, they're going to decrease that from the, 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 the face amount. If you don't borrow and you do die, we'll pay the beneficiary the face amount of the policy. We'll keep your savings for ourselves. That sounds like stealing. Now, these policies are, are farther and fewer between the, the worst of the worst. But that's what they were doing, and they're still doing most of this. And finally, by the way, we don't offer the greatest rates of return, usually between 1% and 2%. See any difference yet? Insurance companies are regulated by the states, not the feds. For the last 50 years, virtually every insurance commissioner's office in every state has publicly stated that term life insurance is a better deal for consumers than whole life insurance. Virtually every consumer's group recommends term life insurance over whole life insurance. How about now? You starting to see a difference? <laughs> okay.
Do you now understand the phrase that we showed you at the beginning of the semester, uh, sem beginning of the presentation? Excuse me, I'm getting a little excited here. Buy term and invest the difference. So you, one month you pay the, the payment to the life insurance company, $220, $250. All the other months you pay yourself, you pay your own investment. But Mr. Life Insurance Salesperson will tell you, but with our whole life policy, you get forced savings. Most people don't have the discipline to buy term and invest the difference. Even with the best of intentions, they will not do it. Do you understand what they're telling you? They're telling you, you are really stupid. It's nonsense. If you have the discipline to make the, the monthly $250 payments to the life insurance company, surely you'll have the discipline to make the payments to your own savings or investment plan. Use an automatic contribution from your checking account or from your paycheck. It's nonsense. But they convince them. They literally, folks, they literally convince themselves that they're doing you a favor by selling you this stuff. Ugh. So you see why we call term life insurance the only type of life insurance? It doesn't matter which type you buy. You are still paying for protection for your dependents in the event of your death. With term life, you're only paying for that protection. But with whole life, cash value life, straight life, ordinary life, variable life, universal life, variable universal life, permanent life insurance, you are paying far more for that protection. Plus, you are being tapped for an awful savings plan that you may not even get to use. And lastly, if you do invest the difference, by the time you are nearing retirement, house is paid off, kids are gone, you will not need life insurance anymore. You will be self-insured. You see... Yes, you're going to save tens of thousands of dollars and you're going to not believe me, but I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you over the next few weeks. You just stay tuned. Slide 25. So let's take a look at the 2019 American Council of Life Insurance Factbook. The new one will be coming out in late October 2020. So we only have 2018 data. In 2018, there were five. 0.94 million whole life policies sold and 3.99 million term policies sold. In other words, 60% of the policies sold were whole life. 40% of the policies sold were term. Why are insurance agents trying to sell you whole life policies? Because remember those two examples? On that first life insurance policy, the term life policy, $500,000, 20 bucks a month. The agent will get about 70 or 80 bucks a year for the first year. Then it goes down every year after that. If he sold you or she sold you the whole life policy, that agent would get $1,500 the first year. And it goes down every year from that. So they're incentivized to sell you a horrible policy because their commissions are enormous if you don't have the ethics i mean if you have the ability to sell people whole life policies and can sleep at night and can convince yourself that these are good deals you can make a lot of money dear students i've never sold a whole life policy i sold one term life policy and they rejected it because <laughs> of the not because of the woman i tried to sell it to because of her mother because she has a history of cancer. Oh, well. And that was a long, long time ago, and I stopped doing that right away. That was the second policy I sold. <laughs> I only sold two policies in my life. It was a long, long time ago, and I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. I much prefer the brokerage stuff. And teaching. Teaching is my 
favorite thing to do. Slide number 26. But the amount of insurance issued in 2008 was only 28% whole life, 72% term. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. In 2008, only $476 billion of life insurance was issued. Out of those almost 6 million policies, only $476 billion of life insurance was issued. Whereas out of those almost 4 million policies, $1.2 trillion of term life was issued. Over two and a half times as much. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't understand. You're telling me that there are far more whole life policies sold than term life policies, but the amount of life insurance in force for term life is far greater than whole life? Why? Well, the number of whole life policies is far greater because the life insurance agents get a far greater commission. So they are going to try to sell you whole life. But the amount of insurance enforced for term life is far greater than whole life because term life is far less expensive. You can buy the amount you actually need. So here's the dynamic, which I believe should be illegal. And these people should be put in jail. After the insurance agent convinces the poor slob that she needs whole life because she's got two kids, she's on her own, the, the jerk's gone, doesn't help, the agent sells her far less insurance than she needs because the poor slob cannot afford to pay the huge premiums for the amount of insurance her family really needs. She needs $500,000 of insurance, but she can only afford 100000 of whole life. What are, the, what are the premiums? $200 a month? I can't do that. How about $80 a month? I can do $80 a month. Okay, we'll sell you $100,000. You see? You see what's going on here? I believe this should be criminal. Because what if she actually passes away? Now her family doesn't have anywhere near the much they need. They need $500,000. They only have hundred grand. And what I would do in the face-to-face -face class is jump on this whole life illustration and show you that putting away... 60 bucks a month for 30 years gave this guy he he, he after he showed it to me he was about 20 years into it $17,551 I want you to remember that number okay I want you to remember that number and I want you to go through the presentation certainly but I want you to remember that you know here's somebody putting away money he wasn't this guy wasn't even married he wasn't even he didn't have kids <sighs> Now, there are some other types of life insurance policies, which we could talk about very quickly. Slide number 28, group life. Well, it's usually term, almost always term. And it's usually provided by an employer or maybe maybe your bank does it or something like that. Southwestern employees, I think full-time, which I'm no longer, we get 50000 I think anybody else gets 25000 So I think faculty, they get a bigger chunk. But if I pass away, I'm working for Southwestern, boom, I get an insurance policy. That's free, big deal. Why do they do that? Because the company that offers it usually has access to the data of the employees, and then they, you know, they, have a, they have an in. They say, hey, we're representing Southwestern, and we could sell you this too on top of the, the term life, the group life policy you have. The credit card companies, we talked about this back in Chapter 5. Forget it. Don't buy credit life insurance. It's just a scam. Don't buy mortgage insurance, buy regular insurance. Don't buy car life insurance, buy regular term life insurance. And then you'll see these in the mail a lot. In fact, if you when you go through the through the module, 
or the website, you'll see all these different solicitations. Accidental death and double indemnity. Double indemnity just means you get paid uh, twice if something happens bad. But accidental death only pays if you die in an accident. Because they'll say, whoa, you're more likely to die of an accident. Yeah, but you don't care how the person dies. Is he dead? Oh my goodness, how terrible. How did he die? Surfing accident? Oh good, I mean, oh bad, oh bad, oh bad, oh bad. But you, you just buy term life insurance. In fact, it'll be cheaper than this stuff that they sell you here because it's pure, pure, pure profit for these companies, folks. Anything you get in the mail is normally a horrible deal. Now, there's an example, there's an exception to that on the website and in Canvas that you'll take a look at uh, where AIG sent me something that was really cheap and I thought, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, okay, this is the exception that proves the rule, I'm gonna put it on the website to show the students that there are exceptions, there are some deal, good deals out there, but usually you have to go out and find the deal. Slide number 29, okay, contract provisions. Okay, you're going to forget this stuff, but please don't. Um, you know, study it and then come back to it when you need it. Uh, make sure you name your beneficiary and contingent beneficiaries because it doesn't change. If your life changes, you get divorced. If your benefit, your, if the, if the ex-jerk, I mean the ex-spouse or whatever, is still on the, the, the policy, they get the money. So make sure you change it. If you commit suicide within the first two years, they will not pay. They'll pay you back the, uh, the, the principal. That's all. Why? Because they don't want people killing themselves to, to give their family money. And if it's, I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, but supposedly if you're committing suicide, you're, you're, you have mental health issues. So it means you're sick. So they figure after two years, all right, they got sick after the two years are up. But the first two years, they will just pay back the principal. The same thing is true if you lie about your age or anything else. They will not pay the $500,000. They'll pay back the 250 bucks. They'll pay back the principal. If you have a terminal disease, you can ask for accelerated benefits or what are called viatical state settlements. This is very helpful for people who have a terminal disease and really maybe they don't, the, the, the heirs are okay. They don't have to worry about them and they want to end their life with some dignity, hospice or whatever. So that's something to think about if you, oh, so sad, are involved in a, terminal disease situation one of the nice things the insurance companies do is if you get disabled they waive they take a you know they, they say okay you don't worry about making the payments anymore you're disabled which is a, a kind of nice thing a loan provision that's only for the cash value whole life terrible policies and the premiums paid from your cash. oh this one drives me insane if you stop paying your whole life policy uh, uh premiums they will start eating the cash value out of your account. They will start using the cash value to pay the premiums. And they don't tell you they're doing this. They're saying, oh, see, aren't you happy we kept your policy enforced? You big jerks. And then there are term life policies that will pay you back the premium if you live long enough. If you live to the end of the term. If you live 20 years, they'll pay back you all the premiums. Well, the premiums are going to be a whole lot higher than if you don't have this policy, don't have this provision. And uh, it's basically a, it's a type of whole life policy, basically. But after 20 years, if you live the whole time, you get all your, your premiums back. But they charged you a whole lot more and they invested the amount and they're not stupid. They're life insurance companies. 
They're like banks. You know, they're making money as long as their doors are open. They've already invested that money and made more money than what they're going to give you back. So it's usually not a very good deal. Okay, so put this one in slot file this slide in the back of your head, but you might need to come back to these these things. Uh, but don't commit suicide in the first two years. <laughs> slide 30. Life insurance is sold, not bought. Now this is a truism, folks. This is a this is a true it's a saying and it's true. The insurance agents will sell you, they will do their best to sell you whole life policies. That's why it's say it's sold to you, not bought. If you buy it, you're gonna buy term. So get a good referral. Is the person willing to take the time to answer your questions and find a policy that's right for you? Are they available when needed? Do they ask about your financial plan? Do you feel pressured more and post most importantly? Are they still trying to sell you a whole life when you've already told them three times that you want term life insurance? Kick them in the butt as they go out the door, those big jerks. Okay, I gotta think of my blood sugar. I gotta think of my, my, my blood pressure. Okay, relax. You see, I get very passionate about this. Because we love your, we love our students, Southwestern. We love you. We want you to be the best, and we don't want you to be taken by unscrupulous life insurance agents who believe they're doing you a favor by screwing you over. Okay, okay, my blood pressure is back down again to normal. Slide thirty-one. How do you obtain the policy? Well, you got to apply. They're going to take blood. They're going to get you on the treadmill. They're going to weigh you, take your blood pressure, look at your medical history. Um, uh, no physical for group policies. For if, so if you're able to join a group or you're through your employer, uh, you don't have to get the physical. Make sure you read every word of the contract. If they can't explain it to you, to your understanding, that's a bad sign. After you buy a policy, you have 10 days to change your mind. These were the whole life policies for uninformed people. And why do they do this? Well, you see, what happens is people start complaining to their, to their uh, erected representatives in the state and saying, this Bozo's paid, he sold me this thing, and after two years I found out it's a piece of crap and I've been paying all this money and I could have paid something ten times less and gotten something better. And so the you know, erected representatives want to do something, so they introduce legislation to, you know, to stop whole life policies, and the insurance companies go, oh, <laughs> very powerful, folks. So we'll, we'll, we'll give people ten days to, to review it and change their mind. Is that good enough? Senator or assembly person? Oh, I guess so. Where's my campaign contribution? <clears throat> give your beneficiaries, give your lawyer a photocopy. Yes, yes, yes. So you got to get the, uh, the physical. And some people, you know, they find out, uh-oh, you know, not, something not good. What are the settlement options? Okay, these are the options for the choices for how you want the money to pay, pay out. Um, normally you want the lump sum payment. That's the most common, almost always the best choice. The limited installment payment is say, look, we'll give you $50,000 of the 500 for the next 10 years. Is that a deal? And some people, it might make sense because, you know, they're not very good with money. Uh, they'll, they'll try to sign you up for a life income option or, hey, we're, we're a life insurance company. We, we, you could treat us like a bank because they're sometimes called the invisible bankers. But normally, folks, the lump sum payment is the best common, is the most common and usually the best choice. Why? Because all the other options are there to benefit the insurance company. 
they're going to want you to buy an annuity, which we're going to take a look at in a, in a minute. They're going to want you to buy an annuity. Uh, but you just tell them, no matter what they say, I want the money. If you don't feel comfortable with it, find a good financial advisor. All right? I mean, I'm sorry. If you're the – well, you're dead, right? <laughs> if you're the person who had the life insurance policy, you're dead. If the person – or if you're the person who's getting it or the persons who are getting the money are not good with money, find a good financial advisor who can help them, somebody they can trust, get a good referral. We'll talk about investments in a little bit. Leave a letter of instruction. By the end of this class, you will have a rudimentary knowledge of investments that will give you a rate of return that is at least two to five times better than anything the life insurance company will offer you because the life insurance companies love to prey upon the surviving spouse. It's often the spouse who was not the main breadwinner, maybe not the one who was involved with the money. And what they'll do is they'll put their arm around them and say, oh, little lady, little man, oh, we'll, we'll give you an income for the rest of your life. When what they really mean is we'll screw you for the rest of your life. They're going to sell them an annuity. And we're going to, annuities really belong in the next chapter, but they sneak them into this chapter for a bit. And we'll, we'll, cut, we'll hit them twice, once in this chapter, just a couple, couple minutes, and then once again in, in chapter 11. So should you switch policies? By the way, don't buy an annuity. <laughs> Normally, no. You switch a term life policy if the benefits exceed cost of getting another physical and paying the policy setup costs. And are you still insurable? So say you've got this dynamite term life policy where you're only paying $250 a month a year, and then all along comes another one for $170, and I've seen them, $170 a year. Don't cancel the first policy because the second policy is going to go to the MIB. You know, they're going to check your health. They're going to take blood. They're going to say, oh, no, you've contracted a, a hepatitis B. We're not going to insure you. If you cancel the old policy, uh-oh, you're in deep trouble now. The only reason people switched whole life policies was typically because a life insurance person convinced them to switch. And why did they want them to switch? Because if they were uninformed <clears throat> to buy a whole life policy in the first place, then they're probably uninformed enough to switch to a new policy. And then the salesperson gets a ton of new commissions. So several years ago, a few insurance companies, we won't name any names, Prudential, got into hot water for pushing elderly folks, elderly folks to switch whole life policies. One guy did it to this one woman. I forget how many times the article disappeared. I had a link to it. And he finally, he, ne he, never, he never went to jail. He finally had to pay a fine. Uh, the guy should have been in jail. He did it to this elderly woman dozens of times. I forget how many times. He kept selling her new policy every year. Unbelievable. How, these are, there are people out there. These are people. A lot of them are in Congress. I mean, a lot of them are, are <laughs> whatever, whatever. So don't switch a policy. Until you got the new policy in place, then then you've made the payments and you you sure the policy is in place, you can get rid of the old policy. Now here is where we interject a little bit about annuities. The book includes annuities in chapter ten because this is what they often the insurance company will try to get you to buy with if you're the heir. If you're the person receiving the $500,000 life insurance policy, they don't want to give you $500,000. They want you to turn it around, give it back to them, 
and then they'll pay you out over 10, 20, 30, or the rest of your life. So let's read together, and we'll come back to this again. An annuity is a financial contract written by an insurance company that provides you with a regular income, often for the rest of your life, which sounds so tempting. I can't outlive this money. But what are they actually saying? They're saying, don't, don't gamble. Don't take a risk. You may get mediocre, 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 mediocre returns with your, with your, with your money. Instead, give it to us and we'll ensure that you get mediocre, abysmal returns with your money. How's that sound? And that's the deal they're offering you folks. Every once in a while, you'll see an annuity that doesn't actually look too bad, but normally no. Normally no. You can do a whole lot better just getting a financial planner if you feel like you need one, or just taking the rest of this class in Business 123 and you know, choosing prudent, long-term, tried-and-true investments that have been around for decades. Further discussion of annuities will take place next chapter when we get to investments and retirement planning. While annuities are insurance products, they really don't belong. They really don't belong with life insurance. They belong with investments and retirement planning. And we'll revisit them in the next chapter, as I said. The book includes a section on annuities in this chapter because the insurance companies will try to get the beneficiaries to purchase annuity with their life insurance benefits instead of taking the lump sum. And as we said, it's usually a bad idea. And go ahead, insurance companies, sue me if you want to. Last slide. Now, now, dear students, do you understand why we say buy term and invest the difference? Do you need life insurance? Yes, we have kids, two and four. You need 20 years. The kids will be 22 and 24. Maybe you have kids 12 and 14. You only need 10 years, right? Maybe you're thinking, I'm going to have a ton of kids. So maybe you need a 30-year policy. But 20 years is usually good enough. Buy the term. Pay it once a month. Pay it one month every year. And then the rest of the months, pay yourself. And you'll be saving or making more Tens of thousands of more. We'll go, I'm, you, I'm, I promise I'm going to show you. I promise. Okay? All right. So now we have finished our three chapters on insurance. Yippee! No more boring insurance because now we get to the best part of the semester, folks, where we delve into the various in types of investments. See you in our next chapter.